recording. All right. What's happening? Alex, do you have another tattoo? Yeah, I got a cat with sunglasses. Check it out. That's so cool. <laughs> Where'd you get this one? <laughs> a couple weeks ago. Ah, I love it. Hey, uh, we should do the podcast. Hey, what do you say? Go. Yeah. Is All it right. one of those funny cats? Fake what do they cats? call those? Kind of, no, funny cats. What are they funny called? Cats? Those, those like cats Garfield. That... It's Garfield. No, isn't there like a name for that kind of cartoon of cat that you have? Maybe like a genre, like a cartoon. I don't know. I, don't know. <laughs> I, I it had its own name, and it's like the kind of cat you see in all the web comics. I don't know. Oh, okay. I think I know maybe what you're talking about, but I think Alex is showing us more of the tattoo, and it is Garfield. It says, "I hate Mondays." I but hate Mondays. That's such a. <laughs> <laughs> Have either of you ever seen that site where it's every single Garfield comic, but Garfield's taking out of it? So it's just John having like existential crises every single strip. Yeah, Garfield without Garfield is like the most depressing, <laughs> hilarious thing I think I read on the internet <laughs> in a long time. And was speaking it ever, of, was it ever established if John was actually talking to Garfield or it was all in his head? I know that that's the point. Well, of that's the, that's the thing, right? Because like in the actual comic strip, like John has speech bubbles and everything from Garfield is thought bubbles. Mm-hmm. right so like if we're going by those rules but you can't hear thought bubbles then yeah john is talking to himself but he always seems to respond to what garfield is thinking then so he's like clairvoyant or something <laughs> to cats no. anyway i mean i talk to my cat in a way that i'm sure if there was a garfieldian type of thought bubble coming out of his head it could like make sense but yeah but a hundred percent of the time <laughs> over like 20 years <laughs> I think it's more than that now. I, think I don't even though, think uh, humans don't even communicate that well. No, no, I don't think so. But I think the Garfield without Garfield is from a few years ago. I think it's maybe 2014 or even earlier. So, speaking of being on the very cutting edge of popular things, we're yeah. going to watch a movie today, and I'll introduce the pod properly. Welcome everybody to another episode of Nothing to Fear, a weekly horror movie podcast hosted by three rambly morons. My name is Billy Schultz. I am recording live from an undisclosed location in the province of Quebec, where I live now. (laughs) And I'm joined, as always, across this great Canadian nation of ours by my friends, Alberta correspondent Alex Wan. How are you doing? Hey, rambly idiot number two here. I'm well. (laughs) I'm in an undisclosed location in the province of Alberta. (laughs) good to see you good to see you and of course reporting from our west coast location secret bunker high in the bc rocky mountains luke mason how are you (laughs) hi i'm also rambly idiot number two and i'm (laughs) recording here from not the rocky mountains actually they're called the selkirk mountains oh it is okay so a little geography tidbit there for you there we go go. rambly idiot number two a So if you're just listening and you're like, what the fuck is this show? What we do is every week we watch a horror movie and we talk about that horror movie. And it can be from any time period of horror movies, new or old, usually old. And this month, all this month, we are doing remakes of movies we have watched on the show before. And so we are revisiting a movie from our last year. And Alex, you picked this movie, so why don't you tell all the lovely listeners out there in Podland what we're watching today. All right, lovely listeners, fasten your seatbelts, hold on to your side rests, car rests, head seat. Armrests? Armrests, that's it. Why is it? Shouldn't it be called a handrest? No, 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 no. Okay. Well, we're going to be watching 2003's remake of The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. 
the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> so, should we tell the listeners what lengths we went to to watch this movie today? Even though we haven't watched it, it could still go tits up on us any minute, but mm. this movie is not easy to find in Canada, friends. Yeah, I had it's to go to the to video find. store and rent the VHS. <laughs> it was crazy. Like, this is 2021. I should not have to do that. Oh. <laughs> could be. We should. Good idea. But yeah, we we could not find this anywhere. Maybe this is better for the second part, but we could not find this movie anywhere. Alex, you had to. We Why are you just throwing me out there? <laughs> <laughs> I can still edit it out. Yeah. So we're going to we're going to revisit the 2003 version of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I do not know anything about this movie. I suspect it will loosely follow the plot of Texas Chainsaw Massacre in 1973. And but apart from that, apart from predicting that Leatherface will be in it and there will be some chainsaw massacring, I I got nothing. I got nothing. What do you folks know about it? Alex, what do you know about this one? This version. This version I know is Jessica Biel in it? You're asking? <laughs> I think. I think she... I think she is. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Jessica, B- Jessica Biel's in it. I remember. Let's see. How how old was I? I was about 10 years old when this came out. So this was a, quite a hot topic of the playground. Um, was it? I think... <laughs> yeah, no. Well, like, because nobody saw it, but everyone saw trailers and it was like, you talk about okay. it, right? Like. You've told a lot of stories from the early 2000s where you're like, when I was in elementary school, we talked a lot about horror movies, and I'm just constantly wondering what your playground was like, because when I was in elementary school, it was all Power Rangers all the time, let me tell you. <laughs> I played William Tell a lot, and I shot my imaginary bow at apples on people's heads. Uh, but yeah, um, but yeah, that's really all I like can remember of this movie is just the name of it. But, like, obviously we've seen the original, so I'm going to assume, like you did, that this will follow very similar plot line as the, the very original one. I'm not anticipating this to be a good movie, to be honest, but what my predictions for what I think w- it will be, I, I think the, I don't know, are they kids? The young adults? I think they'll be a little mm-hmm. less infuriating, like, or maybe a little less annoying than the original cast. Okay. Just because of more modern acting. But I don't think they'll be as smart. I think they'll probably even be even dumber. And (laughs) I suspect that I'm not going to like Leatherface or his family depicted in this one as much as I did in the original. That's what I suspect. Good call. So I have a question. I have a question for, for you. And this is part of my prediction. Is this going to be the events of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but happening in 2003? Or is this a movie made in 2003, but set in 1970s again? What type of remake do you think it is? I cheated because I read Damn. I read the little header on Wikipedia. So I know the answer to that. Oh, okay. So don't would you, would you like to know the answer? I would like to go in surprised. Okay. Luke, well, I'm you sure you're going to find out the answer in the first minute. So I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, what do you think is going to be, Luke? What's your prediction? What do you know about this movie? Like, it's your turn. I hand well, it. For, the floor is yours. First of all, I have to come to the aid of my good friend Alex and say that he didn't necessarily get any this movie through any uh, sublegal means. <laughs> he simply spent a good amount of time. I believe it was four minutes with the '90s and 2000s Canadian celebrity Jonathan Torrance. Oh, and so of he, he and J Rock just had a little rap to do. That's all that happened. Of course, of course, that's all it was. 
as our lawyer, you are you're right. Thank you, Luke. A little shout out to anyone out there. If you want a slice of Canadiana, watch some Trailer Park Boys. <laughs> so, Worst case, Ontario. My, yeah, my, my prediction for this is that it will be approximately 80% the beats of the original with probably some modern twists or extra plot points or maybe changes and i think it's probably mm. set in 2003 that's gonna be my guess just because did texas like even a... exist in 1973 yes we watched a whole movie about it <laughs> right <laughs> i think texas became a state after the f i think they had a war with mexico to take texas yeah like texas if, if the like legend a... of zorro has taught me anything is that texas and parts of california belonged and i guess new mexico <laughs> belong to mexico well for a while yeah so i i think this was an era where they like made it modern when they remade these old films so you haven't seen it before no i haven't seen this one and i do remember the trailer and actually when this movie came out i mean i didn't think about it much and i haven't since but there's a small part of my brain that's like confused about how many movies there are in this franchise and which one goes where <laughs> there've been yeah. like a lot of seek. I guess all these franchises have this, like, is that a sequel or a remake or a reboot or a side? Is it a yeah. sequel of a reboot? It's hard to remember. It's hard to keep them all in line when you don't really care that much. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> when, when I, when I looked up, cause like I was thinking that I wanted to do Texas Chainsaw Massacre as the, as my pick for remake month. I actually mm-hmm. had to look at a long list of it and f- like cl- keep clicking each one until it said it is a 1973 remake. Yeah, 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 yeah. Is, or the remake of the 1973 one. So the, it, it's quite a big franchise already to this point. As like it's the fifth movie. Point of order: As the resident date expert, was the first movie not 1974? No, it was 1972. <laughs> oh jeez, wasn't? Oh, no. I thought it was 73. <laughs> was it 73? I, I thought it was 74. Could be oh, 73. No, 1973, right? It is 74. You're right. It is 74. Oh, Luke! <laughs> Still batting a thousand on that date. <laughs> All right, so Billy, you got some editing well. to do. Anytime we say seventy-three, you just gotta beep it and put in Reese's peanut butter cups. Or silver shamrocks. Absolutely not. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thank you for that. Thank you for all the extra homework. Yes. Yes. So I don't. Yeah, I don't really know what to expect from this movie. I think it'll be fun to talk about, as I always have fun talking about these movies after the fact. So we're going to go in, we're going to watch this movie, you'll hear the trailer, and after you hear the trailer, listeners, there will be spoilers. Spoilers ahoy, blow the air horn for spoilers ahoy, and as always, check out the time codes for any triggers with a movie like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I expect gore and blood to be high on the list, but if you're worried about anything that we haven't included, do check out doesthedogdie.com, and you can find out some answers if that movie's even on there, I don't know. It seems like the internet really tried to scrub this one from the face of the earth, so I don't know what we're getting. But we'll go into the trailer, and we'll be back in just a minute. Tell me how much you love How much? That much. That much? That much. <laughs> Okay? They're all dead. 
Just do Just it. Do it. <laughs> Another Night. movie sponsored by Nike. <laughs> okay. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre is a 2003 American slasher film directed by Marcus Nispel and starring Jessica Biel, Jonathan Tucker, Erica Learson, Mike Vogel, Eric Balfour, and R. Lee Ermey. The, its plot follows a group of young adults traveling through rural Texas who encounter Leatherface and his murderous family. It is a remake of Toby Hooper's 1974 film of the same name and the fifth installment in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre franchise. Fifth. 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 It's a whole hand. Holy shit. (laughs) Well, not anymore. Luke, do you remember when we, when I first had the idea for this podcast and I was like, we could just do like blocks of episodes where we do an entire franchise and then move on to the next one? I'm really glad I never stuck to that idea Mm -hmm. because we would have had to watch five of these movies (laughs) to get here. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and five is a pretty minor franchise for (laughs) these kind of films. Keep in mind, this is five since 2003, right? We're in 2021 now. There's probably like (laughs) 10. Well, I know they made at least 10. I know they made I think they made a sequel to this one in 2006. I think so. But I don't know if they made any other ones. Six, seven, and wow. There's nine. There's wow, nine wow, of wow. them so far. Okay. So, so they made okay. four more. Still after small this potatoes. Oh, apparently there's a 2021 one out coming out. Mm. Oh, of course. <laughs> oh, wow. I guess the 2020s, 2019 to 2020s, is the do a sequel that's directly sequeled to the original one. Because just oh, like how, okay. so apparently this one coming out in 2021 is intended to be a direct sequel to the 1974 one. So I guess they're retconning everything, <laughs> kind of like what Halloween did. <laughs> well, that's probably pretty smart. These things get kind of convoluted. Yeah. It starts to get very confusing. But anyway, we watched the movie. I cannot <laughs> wait to talk about this one. I think. Uh, yeah lots of gore so it was bigger it was longer it was bloodier it was gorier but was it better than the first one that's my question alex you picked this one you you posited that we would maybe regret picking this one but i want to know do you regret picking this one see i i need to talk about this one i haven't felt this way about a movie that we've done in a long time where like i just don't know how i feel about this right now and i need to debrief with the two of you Sure. I still don't. I still our post movie therapy. Yeah. I still don't think this was a good movie. Okay. But I don't think it was a bad movie. But holy shit, I have not felt so uncomfortable watching a movie in so long. This. I know. Right? Like, 
did it do its job at scaring me and making me feel really uncomfortable and scared? Yeah, it did a great job at doing that. But was it a good movie? I don't know. We'll see. But yes, I'm I'm still feeling it. Like this movie kind of picked up, I would say, like about halfway through and it just never stopped running. It was just going faster and faster. And, you know, the foot was on the pedal literally the whole movie. Like there was almost no downtime in this movie, except for like maybe the trailer scene. But that was like, oh, look, we found two other women in this small town. I'm sure they're going to be helpful as well nope yeah that's 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 how i initially feel about this like i don't know if this was good or bad but like i am feeling emotions right now and if that's the way that this movie intended its audience to feel like good job like really good job yeah i think i agree pretty much with everything you've said it's like very slow and weird at the start and for the listening audience at home the movie we watched was very jittery it felt like every 25th frame or something was cut out and so it would, like, i think it, jump it was on purpose a little bit i think it was on purpose do you think that was part of the movie's aesthetic okay maybe it or was uh the strength. way that you two were watching it for but from from my source material i think <laughs> like definitely it was it was a movie that was zoomed in a lot right like it made you feel really claustrophobic mm-hmm. very claustrophobic it had this grainy texture to it that i think was also done yeah. on purpose but I don't know about the whole missing every 20th frame thing from your end. Yeah, it's possible Alex didn't have that in his Jonathan Torrance source. <laughs> right. We were we were just getting Torrance J-Rock through second channels. <laughs> we were, Yeah, we were streaming it. So maybe we had a bit of a lag. But but yeah, so I there was parts of this movie that like intensely grossed me out. There was parts of this movie that made me laugh out loud. And at, at the end, I kind of like, had a little bit of a stand-up and cheer moment where I was like, oh, fuck yeah. So I cannot wait to talk about it. But Luke, what's your what's your hot take? Initial. <laughs> well, I, at the beginning of this on Discord, made my name Texas Jigsaw Massacre as a joke, but <laughs> it actually was kind of prescient because this was kind of like a proto-Saw movie for a lot of it. Mm-hmm. And not like original Saw, like Saw 3 through 6 Saw with all the gore. <laughs> and just gratuitous gore i guess i'd i'd say this is not a horrible movie but it's not an enjoyable movie either i find Mm. that's fair it's not like an enjoyable watch and also beyond the gore it's kind of it's one of the most stereotypical horror movies we've done all the beats are where the beats are expected to be and all the scares are where the scares are expected to be and all the characters are as annoying as a stereotypical horror movie sets out for them to be so like that's fine there's lots of i feel like i've seen this movie 20 times already in (laughs) in other forms but i think the real downside to this film is in its comparison to the original and how much okay. how much worse I think it is than the original in this. Ooh. Not so much in the acting or the dialogue, because I think the original was kind of also cheesy and acted silly. But in the direction and the cinematography, I felt this movie was vastly inferior to the original. And I, I think we spent a lot of time in the original talking about the cool shots and the unique camera work for the kills. And everything that was kind of cool about the camera work in the original was just not in this movie at all and so that's kind of my disappointment in the technical aspects of it so i think this movie will be fun to talk about today and i'll probably never think about it again after we do (laughs) fair enough 
I felt like they made an attempt to make it more believable right at the top and then quickly derailed from that. <laughs> like when we saw them driving and they almost run over the lady who's walking down the side of the road and they pick her up. I was like, okay, yeah, that's obviously a way more likely person to pick up if you're hitchhiking or if they're hitchhiking, they're in distress, they need help. Then the guy from the first movie who's just like lighting his hand, like he's burning his hand or he's burning something in an ashtray and he's like acting all super weird. And I was like, okay, so this is more believable. They'd help this girl who looks like she's in distress. And then it was just like, nope. <laughs> we're going off the rails completely and totally. Mm -hmm. I, it just occurred to me too, like something to keep in mind is that the editing of this film was much more of the era of the two thousands, as well as yes. more conventional slasher film in that whenever a bad guy or Leatherface was around one of our main characters, it was a quick edit jump cut to being right behind them or like that real loud slash of a violin or some musical instrument. Whereas so many of the best scenes in the original were distance shots, unexpected leather faces there. And so right. I don't, I guess I, my question for this movie is why did you deviate from the cinematography of the original, which was part of, which was probably the biggest reason why it was such a unique film. I think the like people who I talk to who know a lot about movies, I'm thinking mm -hmm. specifically of a really good friend I had while I was in Korea, and he was he made he was an amateur filmmaker, and he talked about how Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the original, is a kind of staple in film school for how to make really unique looking movies in a usually stereotyped genre. Like it's kind of one of the movies that is talked about in film school for its technical prowess. And I guess my question is, this movie is like, why did you not do that for this movie too? It wouldn't have been that hard, but that's a that's a great it. question. So... Look, I actually have an answer for you. Oh, here we go. Yeah, here we go. Let's, uh, let's read thanks, directly Alex. from Wikipedia. Nispel intentionally oh, thanks, shot Wikipedia. the film in a different style, using more traditionally narrative elements, as he did not want to make a shot-for-shot -shot remake replicating the original film's documentary-like style. Cinematographer Pearl explained that on an on-set interview, people ask me. Is it going to be as gritty and grainy as the last one I did? No, I did that. There's no point in making the exact same film with the exact same look. Is it the same cinematographer? I know we didn't read, we told you not to read all the credits, but is it the same guy for both movies? Uh, that's a good question. TBD. I'll find out. Great questions. Yeah, I thought they made it like a 2003 movie, but set in the 70s. So I think we we're, it, it's, it's not a modern movie like we thought or of the time movie and i think we saw that very evidently by the amount of like gratuitous making out at the top and the number of times jessica biel was running around in her midriff like it wasn't gr like gratuitous nudity it wasn't like that level but it was gratuitous sexiness gratuitous sexiness and like the early 2000s that was the time for a sweaty midriff to be in any movie like just ask michael bay any mm. movie he makes you're gonna have a sweaty midriff running around and and it was the same. So yeah, it felt like it. Okay, so okay, I can you know I can respect that. He's like, I don't want to do the same watch thing. The other movie then, except, yeah. except, <laughs> except, except, except <laughs> that by eschewing the style of the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the director and cinematographer made a movie that looked like a hundred other movies. 
So sure, it doesn't look like the other movie in your franchise, but it does look a hell of a lot like a Friday the 13th movie or a number of the subsequent Halloween movies or mm-hmm. any other, like probably other Nightmare on Elm Street movies. So, okay, yes, you've made a movie that didn't look like a shot for shot of your original, but you made a movie that looked like a shot for shot with every other slasher movie in the world. So I quibble a bit with the originality of that decision. <laughs> this is the band that Luke loved as a kid, but then they release an album in 2020. It's like, it's not like your old stuff. It sounds too much. It's too radio friendly nowadays. It's like every other band. <laughs> a true connoisseur. Well, like, look, I think it's a totally legitimate goal to make a remake that looks not exactly like the original or even your own little imprint on it i I don't have any problem with the ambition mm-hmm. i guess for my taste it just it just was so formulaic in the genre if not in the franchise if that makes sense I, yeah that makes sense so like i have bands i like that have albums that sound nothing like their original that i like because it doesn't actually just sound like they're deriving from other famous bands kind of thing or they phoned it in in a different way yeah, so, but then if they're making money, right? Who can fault Well, you? I guess podcasters. <laughs> I guess like maybe from a creative standpoint, it's like, do you actually want to do it this way because you really feel strongly about it? Or are you doing it because someone told you to because that's what makes money? I think that right. like without going yeah. super deep into that, I think mm-hmm. that's what would break it for me. But like coming straight from the mouth of the guy, that's like, I just didn't want to do the same movie. I want to do something different than the first one. And I just didn't want to make it shot for shot recreation. And if that's truly the way he felt about things, then I'm 100% okay with that. Yeah, but don't you think it it rings a little hollow for a movie that was clearly made to make money and wasn't particularly original in its cinematography? Every movie is made to make money, right? Yeah, but I mean, why pretend pretend for the artistic endeavor then? It just seems like well, you're that, getting, that's the thing. You right? want it like, both ways, then. You're you're assuming that he's pretending, but like, I'm going under the assumption that he's telling the truth, right? So it's like, if he is telling the truth, then I have no problems with it. But if he isn't, then I don't care either way because, well, really, the only way we can evaluate his statements is studying the evidence, which is the movie itself. And I'm putting forward the claim that this movie doesn't look original, so I'm a little bit interested in his point i mean it looks very different from the original texas chainsaw massacre so he's correct to that extent i just don't know how much further he thought in terms of like the genre which is fine well funny funny you should mention he also (laughs) did the cinematography for the 2009 friday the 13th so there you go Ah, well we could (laughs) there's another comparison we could make when we get to that one we'll get there in like six years but i i kind of like the changes they made from the original in some ways like the reason for them being in this texas town is a little bit different than when they opened it up like in the first one they were like we're going to check out our our family's grave that's been defaced and in this one they just completely took that out it's just a bunch of like kids hoping to go see leonard skinner concert and wondering if he'll play Freebird, you know, <laughs> I'm sure if they had made it to the concert, they would have made the joke. They would have shouted out, play Freebird. And again, that's like, that was an interesting thing for me where I was like, okay, it's a little bit different. They're, they're going their own way. And then the rest of it was 
the way they contrive to keep them in peril and in the situation just kept hanging me up. I kept feeling like, why wouldn't you just immediately find a hospital and not like drive around and find a gas station, like head towards the center of town. There should be road signs that say hospital this direction or, you know, why, why are they going to the like creepy gas station? Why, like, why are they doing all this after like the first person is gets killed of your friends? It's like, why are you even saying here? So I asked that question so many times. Why aren't you just running down the highway as fast as you can for as long as you can? And that's not the point. That's not the question to ask about this movie because they obviously have to be in peril because the plot demands it because then Leatherface gets to Leatherface about and chop everybody up. I kind of like the change in this mm-hmm. remake with the whole reason why they're staying and why they're in there. If I remember correctly in the first or in the original, they're only there because they need gas. But the pump is out of gas, right? And they have to travel, oh, right? To, yeah, to the like, it's it's a legitimate reason, but it just makes for it's not as it's not as exciting. And in this one, it's like the, with the very graphic opening scene in the van, you know, trigger warnings for suicide. But yeah, when she like it deviated so much, but it from that original film, but it still gave them a reason to be there because like there's this like we have to report this. And it still sets up the same set pieces and it still gives them a reason to go to the house or have to use a phone. But I think it did it in a lot more of an interesting, a fictionally interesting way. Like everybody, everybody is going to be low on gas sometime in their life. But not everyone's going to have to call a sheriff because someone shot themselves in their own car, right? Like, I, I think like movies that give opportunities to tell things that a normal human would never experience is always like a a positive way so i did like that change where and it it gave it like a little bit more of a sense of urgency as well because like you don't know who you're supposed to trust anymore the sheriff like obviously you can't trust anyone in this movie but then gives it a little bit a little bit more stakes Mm -hmm. stakes that's that's a good a little bit more stakes also before we move on i do want to say that this movie should have done its fact checking a little bit better so this movie was set on august 18th to 20th in 1974 Freebird mm-hmm. didn't come out until November of 1974. So, <laughs> well, and actually, it was set in '73. It was set in '73. Oh, that's right. So yeah. Even, so even worse. That's even worse because Sweet Home Alabama <laughs> didn't come out till '74 either. So what the hell movie. Why? 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 Why do? Why, they should have just said '75. That would have fixed everything. What a fucking stupid mistake. That is so easy. Unbelievably. <laughs> Even in 2003, there was enough. You could check that really, really easily in 2003, even if you're just using 2003 Google. There were so (laughs) many famous 60s and 70s rock songs already released by 73 that they could have done instead of that. (laughs) Yeah, but Luke, the thing is, if you get the rights to Sweet Home Alabama in your movie, you're putting that bad boy in. Oh, that Mm. bad boy's going to that movie. (laughs) Yeah, actually, it would have been better if Reese Witherspoon was the lead. The amount of times Sweet Home Alabama has appeared in movies, though, makes me feel like getting the rights isn't that hard. Mm. <laughs> you know? <laughs> well, it's, a, it's a banger for sure. It is a banger. Is that a fortunate son? But it wasn't about Vietnam, so I don't think it could be fortunate son. <laughs> yeah, so fix your dates, whoever wrote this movie. Screenplay. Scott Kosar. Yeah. Unfortunately, probably the best fidelity this movie had to the original was the way the characters interacted with each other. Mm-hmm. And so there was just so much nonsensical over-aggression with each other. 
and like determined. What, sorry, Luke, when you say the <laughs> characters, do you mean the like the the victims? The yeah, the well, band, even like from everybody. The very, well, everybody, but certainly from the beginning, okay. the five would be friends with each other were quite like intentionally non-helpful in all of these scenarios to the point where I just, I guess I'm thinking, well, it was reminiscent of the original because there was a lot of like (laughs) kind of bizarre dialogue with between the five of them in the original. It was like, I don't know if people talked like that even in the seventies to each other, but obviously it was like, part of the plot to make them be in the situations that they were in, but it just, it felt mm-hmm. so there might be people like this in the world. I don't know any of them. So it's harder for me to buy into this is how problems get solved between people. <laughs> you know, like I didn't problems get solved in movie world. Yeah. I, I didn't even talk to my friends like that when I was 10. <laughs> so it's just harder to buy right. into people in their mid to late twenties have that, low eq to solve a really big problem like this like right. i mean before, maybe that's what it was in the 70s though right before, you know? <laughs> before they have any reason to be scared for their lives they're debating on whether they should just dump a body versus go find the police <laughs> it's like no <laughs> like go find the police you got rid of your or marijuana a hospital yeah, or yeah. a hospital like where you threw your marijuana slightly in a field it's all fine <laughs> No, you gotta hunt for it. It's in a pinata. It's in a pinata. You gotta get blindfolded, go out with a little stick, try to find that pot. That's more like a critique of the horror genre, not this movie. I will say my prediction at the start about thinking that I would like the victims more in this movie, but not like the family as much compared to the original, was true. I did find Mm. the the leads, Aaron, Morgan, Pepper. Kemper. Kemper and and Andy. Nard dog was Andy. Nard dog. <laughs> yeah, I think it was Andy. Yeah, I, I, I did like those five more than I liked the original five. Maybe, maybe because it's a little bit more modern, I, I could, re- I can relate to them a little bit more. They, they were, they were not, not that they were a, gr- a great part of the movie, but they were significantly less irritating than the original cast. And mm-hmm. maybe that's also just modern, more modern dialogue compared to 70, 74 dialogue. Right. But then the family part of it I, I liked less in this one just because i think they tried to show too much of them whereas in the first one there was way too much leatherface in this movie i will say that mm-hmm. mm, interesting and, yeah agreed and but in the original one it was it was like three weirdos and the stuffed bodies in the attic whereas in this one it was like a whole like family town, reunion whole town <laughs> yeah <laughs> i like the intrigue of the first family more than this one this mm-hmm. one it wasn't less intriguing and it was more just like yeah everybody sucks very much except for the kid except for jedediah (laughs) jedediah Jedediah lannister (laughs) (laughs) he was wearing those little fake hillbilly teeth you could buy at the stampede Mm -hmm. in the early 2000s do you remember those you could get like one that had a a fake grill and one that was all busted up for like halloween costumes i think this is where that idea originates (laughs) holy shit so not really related but the kid that played jedediah (laughs) He is a big shot lawyer now. Apparently, he was admitted to UCLA at the age of 13 and then admitted to Harvard Law School at the age of 18. Good job, Jeff. So, turns out, kids are, hey, if you want smart kids, just do some inbreeding. I don't think (laughs) the actor is inbred. I think the character. Oh, okay. (laughs) Weird inbred. But let's talk about the family for a little bit because it wasn't like a simple 
that simple family. Like, it wasn't just the three people who were killing. It was like a whole infrastructure of psychopaths. And maybe there are small towns like that where everyone's just like in on this. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's the guy who cuts up people and wears someone's face for a mask. Like, that's... I, I don't mind his... He doesn't bother me and I don't bother him. Like, we just do our own thing. Like, it just feels like they tried to make this entire region weird to the point where I was like, okay, I can sort of buy... I can I can suspend my disbelief enough to buy that one family is isolated, is closed off. It, it doesn't like interact with society at large and they're weird and they turn all insular and have like weird practices. Like I can buy that when it when it gets out to be like any time they're going anywhere, the people they talk to are untrustworthy. Like they go to the diner can't trust that lady they go to the trailer uh later uh, aaron goes to a trailer later in the film and immediately you're just like you can't trust these people either because they're just not acting normally it was like so what is it like is there a whole town council is there a mayor of this town who's also is leatherface the mayor like is is there a better (laughs) business bureau of leatherfaceians or something like what is going on with this region that this whole all the people are untrustworthy and how do they get stuck here like that was what i was wondering I think another reason why I liked the family in the original film a lot more was specifically the dinner scene in the original, which there was pretty much none of. The dinner scene was one of the most interesting parts of the original where Sally gets kidnapped and she gets sat down at the dinner table and then Leatherface is like wearing... like He's wearing his mom's Yeah, he's like, yeah, like or wearing her clothing, right? Mm -hmm. But he also does like makeup on the mask yeah i think it's supposed to be his mother's face yeah so it's like there's something like definitely weird going on but then the other two characters i don't remember who they are but like they sit down and there's that conversation it's like really weird and creepy and eerie but then in this one it's just like well sheriff is kind of a pervy old senile guy and grandma's weird and um grandpa's just like weird as well and like they just yell back and forth, and it's like, Jedediah, you're not allowed in the house. All right, Leatherface, bring her down to the basement. And that was it, right? Yeah. And they was, like, dumped in exposition that felt super forced, like Grandma being like, oh, you're one of those people that always made fun of my boy. Mm -hmm. And so it was Mm -hmm. like, instead of you as the audience member trying to fill in the blanks of what what the fuck's going on with this family, which is what I got in the first one, which is what made that dinner scene so interesting to me. In this one, it's like, nope this is what's wrong with the family i'm throwing it in your face and you have to accept it and we're not going to have an interesting part of the movie we're you just going to go from a to b they're loudly telling and <laughs> <Yeah>. not showing <laughs> alex it sounds like the grandma in this movie went to the jason Voorhees mother's school of blaming people who <laughs> remind her of people who were mean to her son <laughs> and not the actual people who did it <laughs> exactly exactly although i i like they had a little nod to the dinner scene where grandpa looks over his shoulder and goes should we have her for dinner and that's it like i was like oh we're gonna get this cool no no yeah no Never well we've mind. we've also observed this change before in the halloween franchise where the the word right. that the word that we're circling around is that the first halloween and the first texas chainsaw massacre had a ton of tension and this movie had a lot of gore and halloween 2 had too much michael myers right halloween 2 had in halloween 4 we just saw michael too much in this movie we saw leatherface Mm. too much i can't remember exactly but i don't think there were too many 
there's maybe one or two or three moments in the original where Leatherface shows up in a scary way, kind of like jump scare style. Uh, right. Especially thinking of like in the forest when they're running away in the first one in the forest. And I think that's mm-hmm. the scene where um, right. Leatherface kills. Can't remember the guy's name in the wheelchair in the first one, but that like this that yes, scene. Yes, I don't remember. It's that. like oh, he's just there. This movie it happened like eight to ten times, where Leatherface is just oh here again, oh he's here again, Hello. oh he's it's here again. Mm-hmm. And so like Hi. the first time it's like a little jumpy, but after the first time and just the tone of the movie, I'm just waiting for Leatherface to show up. So there's no tension there, right? There isn't any tension when. The movie Agreed. overplays its hand in a sense, so less restraint in this one. I yeah, think. yeah, yeah. To put a fine point on that, uh, on that, on yours. Uh, to I don't know. To to like really illustrate what you're getting at, Luke. I'm so bad at podcasting, everybody. I don't know what I'm doing. But it it really was evident in the two scenes where Leatherface hits the, I guess, boyfriend character on on the head i think it's kemper in this movie and i don't remember what it was in the the first movie but i'm sure alex will google it if he if he can but Mm -hmm. in the first movie in the original we just see the victim walking down the hallway he it's a long shot and he walks to the end where there's a little t intersection and then all of a sudden leatherface steps out from from behind hits him on the head and moves away and in this one in the remake one we got the scene where he like sees that there's cartoons playing on the tv and he's sneaking in and he looks really close up and there's like there's a lot more cuts going back and forth where you're just like okay well eventually it's gonna cut and there'll be leatherface behind him and he'll get hit on the head and it's way scarier and way more surprising in the 70s one Mm -hmm. where you see him just calmly step from around the corner hit him and he's gone and you're just like whoa what the hell and yeah Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it didn't happen in this one yeah this was probably the biggest disappointment of this movie for me was the first reveal of leatherface because like even before he gets hammered on the head in this one you see like a silhouette of leatherface walking by the washroom right right when aaron goes to help up grandpa because he fell quote unquote (laughs) fell and needs help and i guess he's emptying his urine bag yeah yeah pretty gross but that was gross but like you see the silhouette of, of leatherface and like I don't know. I, I feel like a lot of... I can't say this. I can't say this as a fact. But like, for, for us, we have seen the original. So we already know, yes, Leatherface is in this movie. We know like who the villain is. We know how they appeared in the first one. So we're really anticipating that first appearance in this one. But I felt like it did such a disservice to that really amazing first reveal in the original by like just showing a silhouette of Leatherface and like cutting it back and forth. I totally respect that they were trying to make their own movie and do something different, like kind of going back to the point at the top. But mm. if there was any shot or any scene that they w- should have replicated exactly as the original, it w- it should have been the first reveal of Leatherface when he just comes out of the door, Agreed. hits, pulls him, and that's it without mm-hmm. any cuts. Like that scene is so iconic that I-, I just felt this movie did such a huge disservice to to that. And that's certainly an element of the difference of the cinematography and the editing from the original to this one that I think makes it weaker. Mm. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And the thing with that is, in the first movie, I didn't know going into the first movie that it was a whole family thing. I really did just think Leatherface was a single Mm. killer. I thought it was like a masked 
slasher, murderer, no compassion, no emotions. And the surprise of it being a weird cannibal family was shocking and a revelation. And in this one, I knew they were probably going to do something like that because it was a remake. So I was expecting that. But the way they had every other character just feel super like evil right from the get go was it just totally I don't know, took it away from me. Like, at least in the first movie, the guy who ran the barbecue was nice enough at the first bit to be like okay he's a little bit weird but i don't feel like he's going to murder me until he's got sally in the the back at the end Mm -hmm. and he brings her into the like the dinner scene but in this one as soon as we get the sheriff show up on the scene and he's like oh boy she's real pretty look at the size of this hole in her head and he's copping a feel (laughs) on the corpse of this woman and he brings a roll of kitchen saran wrap to be like well we gotta wrap her up this is what we do i was just like in no way in no way would i ever think you're doing this the right way you're following Mm. procedures and immediately it was just like they must be so confident that anybody they trap is already dead like it just had this sort of mm-hmm. like well as soon as you get here you're already dead so we can act however we want and it doesn't matter there's no facade at all and i was just like why why wouldn't you just immediately run away <laughs> yeah i think weirdos? like as soon as the sheriff shows up like he's already weird right away but he takes the gun like the revolver and puts it in his boot holster and it's like check it out <laughs> yeah. my cinderella revolver fits in my boot holster i'm like okay like any this kind bad. of semblance of wondering if the sheriff is good or bad is completely thrown out the window <laughs> at that point. And it's like, okay, of course the sheriff is part of it. Like, there's no mystery to that part anymore. No. To borrow a pet peeve concept from another podcast I do, all of the villains oh. in this movie were obnoxiously lowest common denominator villains. So yes. the only way any person in this movie who was a villain would fool you watching this movie is if you had never watched a movie in your life before this movie, or you'd never talked to another person ever in your life before this movie. (laughs) So for that demographic of like people born on an Island and then never talking to anyone before they were old enough to watch a movie. And then this being the first movie they ever watched, there could have been some mystery, but for everybody else who watched this movie, they're like, well, that's a bad guy. Yeah, <laughs> long before anyone was revealed and so i just find that form of storytelling a little bit disappointing but you know what arlie emery looked like he was having a hell of a time oh, being he did fine evil badass, and he did yeah. such a great job and he was very reminiscent of his full metal jacket character in that the hat was like pretty identical that round brimmed hat that he wears mm. in full metal jacket and his kind of like aggression so I thought he did a fine job as a scummy slash psychopathically killing or at least aiding a killer sheriff. He did good in that. But it's like that weird dynamic of the movie's relationship to the characters in the movie and the movie's relationship to us, the audience watching it. I guess I just don't like scenes where it occurs to me consciously while I'm watching who is who is being fooled here, right? And I think right. that there were a number of scenes in this movie where... Yes, you can chalk it up to Jessica Biel's trauma is making her maybe not see everything clearly, but it's weird. Her dynamic between her survival skills are really good sometimes and then very clumsy other times. So there's a a kind of maybe that's a segue into her, but like 
There just wasn't even straight continuity in her own abilities in these traumatic situations, which, whatever. I mean, it's 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 a horror movie, but she's like seems super capable sometimes, and then kind of flaily other times. Yeah, she she had a troubled youth. She was in juvie, <laughs> right? <laughs> right. <laughs> which was also like, yeah, why this is a bullshit explanation for a reason why she can hotwire a car or whatever. Mm-hmm. But the characters were just. I mean, I couldn't relate to any of the choices they made. Like, I get it. They're not going to dump a body in the woods. Great. Find a doctor. Find a hospital nearby. Or drive to a town where you can. Like, the the amount of, of times where it's just like, every fiber in my body would be screaming at me to leave right now and go somewhere else. And they're all just like, well, I guess we'll have to hang out here for two hours and wait for the sheriff. And just go poking around and finding this nightmare doll mill setup that jeff die has been making it's just like why would you stay there why would you go go away forever deal with the consequences a different time you could even <laughs> say the villains were playing possum with them with that move ah! <laughs> do you think this remake of texas chainsaw massacre heavily influenced little miss sunshine <laughs> oh absolutely you dri- you're driving around with a dead body in the back the horn of the other car was going off the whole time you know you got probably an angry old guy in this movie and that one there was no beauty pageant you're gonna have though. to be more specific than that Alex. leatherface doesn't speak <laughs> the other guy i don't remember his name he doesn't speak for most of the movie this wow, is i have not seen little miss sunshine and you're remembering a lot of it have you <laughs> It's a good movie. I think Tony Collette's in it, right? Yeah. So, Alex, is this your third favorite family third road favorite. trip movie? I guess so, yeah. After Goofy Movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Goofy Movie, Little Miss Sunshine, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Remake. <laughs> Remake. <laughs> Makes sense. So, what was the relationship between all the people in the van, though? Because it seemed like Pepper and Andy... Were they also hitchhikers, or was one of them a hitchhiker? Like, it, it didn't seem like it was giving too much. Pepper was the odd one out that they picked up the day before. It was like, hey, I'm going to the Skinner concert as well. Because, like, as they're making out at the start, they're like, can you believe we only met yesterday? Mm-hmm. I assume Pepper's the odd one out, and the f- other four are, like, friends. Because wasn't... Wasn't a, a pair of them in the first one? Weren't they brother and sister? Yeah. Like the, it was a Franklin and Sally were brother and sister. Franklin and Sally, right? Okay. Yeah. I don't um, think that Morgan and Aaron were brother related, and sister. No, I don't think so either. But they're just friends. It's interesting that Morgan was not in a wheelchair like Franklin was in the original. But it's true. Yeah, they did have a character in a wheelchair in this one, Grandpa. Yeah, old Grandpa sure, man. Well, and then they sure used did. the wheelchair. Didn't they use the wheelchair from Franklin to move old Grandpa Man down to dinner in the first one? Oh, maybe. Why are we talking about the first one? We should be talking about the movie we actually watched, not the one we watched last year. (laughs) Sorry, listeners. It's more (laughs) tempting to talk about the first one, though. (laughs) Definitely is. (laughs) Okay, so let's talk a little bit about Leatherface specifically. And we got to see more of him in various masks and out of various masks. And and we we know his name now. We learned his name and we learned a bit of his backstory. So, Alex, you said you you saw too much of Leatherface. What did you think about the info we got around Thomas Hewitt, a.k.a. Leatherface? How do I put this lightly? It was 
pork fisted. <laughs> it was a nice lot. T- like nice it was touch. Just like, Real deft touch there, Alex. <laughs> the lightest touch. Yeah, it was like here's here's a picture of the family. Oh, as Erin is waking up from her drug tea, we're gonna give you a dump of exposition from Grandma about why he he does what he does, and then as we're in the trailer with the two creepy women, it's like we're gonna give another expedition dump. Like, hey, like he wouldn't hurt anybody. He was just born with a skin disease. Mm. <laughs> And then it's like, none of the, like, the, the problem I had with it is, like, the, whoever wrote this backstory in for Leatherface or Thomas in this movie was like, look at all this exposition we're giving you. It doesn't do anything to explain anything else about his character. Like, why is he killing people? Why is he, like, really good at sewing faces? Yeah, yeah. Why, why is he to have an uncanny knowledge of the human anatomy? And why is he, like, bringing his victims and, like, hanging them on hooks in the in the basement of this furnace room? None of that gets explained. We only know that, you know, it's like they're trying to make us feel bad for him. Like, oh, he got made fun <laughs> of by bit, the other yeah. kids. He has a skin disease. Like Jigsaw! Exactly! <laughs> I don't care! Stop make, trying to make me feel, like, like, feel bad for this antagonist, because I'm not going to. This is a crazy no. murderer oh uh, yeah i don't I mean, feel bad at all <laughs> leatherface and jigsaw went to the same school of self-pity yeah exactly <laughs> that's a great point luke exactly how i feel about jigsaw is how i felt about all the yeah. exposition dump of leatherface in this movie it's like i don't care why are you telling me this is not important you maybe you could right. tell me why he became a murderer but like telling mm-hmm. i don't know you Let's see Leatherface get his very first chainsaw. Like, what was that like? <laughs> that's probably in the. That's the uh, that's the prequel, yeah. Texas Chainsaw Massacre, probably, yeah. the first chainsaw. Alex, I have to say that analysis was as light as a bacon bit. <laughs> <laughs> Alex, it's a bacon bit, not a faking bit. Oh. <laughs> I think Texas Chainsaw Massacre steel running but s-t-i-h-l ah that's good (laughs) that's good i like that (laughs) so yeah there was too much leather face it it took out the kind of the intrigue of the character the whole we've Mm -hmm. talked about this to death when you show your main villain too much it's like it's not as exciting anymore and then we also got to see Leatherface's actual face in this one which we got to see his leathery face I don't necessarily think it added to the film because you take out the mystery of this thing. And then you also give him a reason that he's wearing a leather face. It's like because he had a skin disease and he grew up looking different. He didn't have a nose. Yeah. Yeah. I think not knowing why he had a fa- uh, like a, a mask of skin on, I, I don't think any reason they could have given me would have been like, oh, okay, that's okay for you to wear that mask made of human skin, Leatherface. You know, <laughs> it doesn't matter how many skin conditions you had. Don't wear people faces. It's another dumb way of trying to make me feel bad for him. It's like maybe he's really <laughs> self-conscious about his face. Totally. That's completely fine. But I don't I need it. to know that to know why he has to... like. Mm. It's like that Brooklyn Nine Nine meme, like cool motive, still murder. You know, <laughs> yeah. Just... And then the whole shot of him wearing Kemper's face as a mask, I was just like, oh, cool. Leatherface has this thing where he's going to wear different people's faces. That's just something he does. He upgrades his face mask every so often. You know, we all should be changing our face masks more, probably. Yeah, his favorite game and, is Majora's know... Mask. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's collecting them all. And Pokemon, but 
he only wore that for one scene and then he was back to his like original mask so it was like okay that was gross we had to see kemper's face get peeled off and him wear it to scare aaron but then he didn't keep doing it so i was like okay why did he do it in this one did did he just really you know maybe he tried it on and he was like mm, is it goatee for me no goatee's not for me back on with the <laughs> original thing <laughs> i did really like that shot i thought that looked really cool it was a cool shot it was very affecting and very gross and i think that stand up two wheel brooms great into the gore and the grossness of this movie because alex you and i i think almost at the same time in the whatsapp chat texted about the nails oh my god of of andy scraping his fingernails down the cellar wall and all of his nails peeling back it was just like oh 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 it made so so much of my skin crawl it was so gross definitely the grossest part of the movie for me without a doubt yeah and i think like that is probably now now that okay now that I've had a little bit of time to process it and talking to the two of you that's probably why I felt so just on edge this whole time and like it was just so uncomfortable with this movie was the was the gore and compared to more modern movies that I've seen like this wasn't necessarily the most gory movie ever like it was still pretty gory but it's not like kill bill or other examples out there like is I don't even think it's to a point a Game of Thrones gore. Like Game of Thrones was probably gorier than than this movie. Oh, agreed. But like the yeah. the kind of stuff that they showed, the body horror of it all, I think that's what made me super uncomfortable. And now that I've come to the realization of that, it's like it's less so the movie itself and more so the visual effects of that what they showed me. So I I feel a little bit cheated about how they made me feel. <laughs> Oh, okay. Yeah, because they're just showing me gross things I don't want to see. It's not actually the plot or the story or the characters that are making me feel uncomfortable. It's just visually the stuff. So I feel like they earned my feeling uncomfortable a little bit less than than I would have liked them to. Hmm. They had multiple shots of just gross things in jars. The set designers of this movie would have had to have an absolute blast making this like horror contraption because there's a bandolier of ears. There's a clarinet case with a bunch of fingers in the other half of it. There's like jars of eyeballs and dentures being removed. And like they stacked around all these props that for somebody looking to recreate this as like a haunted house walkthrough thing, I think it would have been really cool to look at the set. Like it would have been really gross, really visceral. You would feel really unsettled. And as a set, it was very well done if it was disgusting and gross and there was corpses everywhere. We didn't see a couch made out of rib cages in this one, but I feel like it could have been in that room somewhere. And there was a chicken again. There was a, just a live chicken. <laughs> but what about you, Luke? You've been quiet about the, the gore. What do you feel about it? Al Gore specifically. <laughs> well, I have an inconvenient truth about this movie. Is that... Oh, so you're the best. All the gore just was so obviously for like the production and kind of pandering to what I think the movie thought was the zeitgeist of the horror at the time. But it was. Right. That's the thing. Right? Well, yeah, it was. It kind of started the whole... Like, this, this movie came out before Saw... And then saw it's like every year. Yeah. It'd be interesting to read reviews of the when this movie came out of it because I guess it maybe I would feel different about the movies that started their franchise. Like even though Hostel and Saw are much more gory in their zenith than this movie is, it's certainly like they were their original 
franchises started at that time. So their genesis was at then as opposed to this being a remake. I probably would have preferred this movie to be like its own thing. Like if this was the Kansas uh, pickaxe... um, I don't know. What's another word for math? Keep going. <laughs> Kansas, Keep going. The Kansas pickaxe killing spree. Oopsie daisy. Killing spree. <laughs> sure. I would have been more fine with the aesthetic and the gore of it than I am with this because I know I'm a broken record here. All of the things that made the original, as same with the original Halloween, were the kind of tension and the surprise and the unusual form of filming these kind of movies that was very present. And so... Because then it also leads to questions like, well, how is this hillbilly family this competent to have killed this many people with nobody coming to ask them any questions about it? Like, it just didn't scream. Like, this family didn't scream to me, cream of the crop killers. I don't know. You know, they just, they just were, like, it seemed impossible that they couldn't yell at each other to communicate, which, yeah, okay, I can understand them getting five random strangers, but it looked like they'd killed dozens of people. And never were suspected. And everyone's just like, well, they don't do any harm. They don't be bothering anyone. It's like, obviously, they're bothering a lot of people. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it just was one of those things where you're like, oh, this is in the movie so that it can be in the movie, not because it really serves the story or the lore or the world building or the kind of like intangibles that when you reflect on a movie, you're like, oh, yeah, that was kind of cool. The, the the kind of things that are in this movie that once you reflect on it's much more like uh, that doesn't really add up <laughs> and that's an interest like that's yeah. kind of how i often think about movies as i'm reflecting on them is like oh did that puzzle piece or that jigsaw piece jive with that oh. other thing and then when it does on reflection you're like oh that's cool i like that i didn't think about that in this movie i'm like every little bit of it is like okay so there's a sheriff who is part <laughs> of this killer family that mm-hmm is never talked, never questioned. Okay, Mr. Sheriff, there have been (laughs) dozens and dozens of missing people in your area. Has there not been a single oversight person to go talk to him about this? Maybe there is no higher body to report to or someone being like, okay, there's Mm. no oversight into this thing and that allows somebody who can be a weird, petty, psychopathic dictator type to find a little town and shape it into this weird murder den but still even in the 70s you'd think stories would come out or you'd think there'd be rumor or suspicion or something to investigate i don't know if the fbi was a thing back then or the serial killer yeah. unit maybe it wasn't mm-hmm. because it was the 70s like you know what I, like it didn't seem like there was going to be any oversight and that guy could just be like well i'm the sheriff so everything's fine for me this said the sheriff check and, you know, it's like, who who do we watch when, or who do we turn to when the people who are supposed to protect us don't do that? And there that weren't man. any vigilantes in this one. I think... Oh. There weren't any vigilantes in this one. That is a very generous take, Billy. A very generous take. All sheriffs have bosses. They all have, like, civilian oversight somewhere. And, yes, definitely FBI would have been, maybe not a serial killer unit, but, like... If there's as many people missing as that room makes us suggest, there's definitely been missing persons filed unless every single yeah. person is transient, which is possible, <laughs> I guess. But it's like, if you have to depend on contingencies that are pl- 
possible but not plausible eventually yeah. it's like that they used it they talked about covid too like the swiss cheese model of covid protection it's like if you have one slice of swiss cheese probably lots will get through but if you have four or five eventually all the holes will be covered with different other aspects which is like what they're talking about with like using masks and social distancing right. and like if you use all of these measures even though every one measure itself isn't perfect but in yeah like all these missing persons and other like police officers who would have known of this guy and heard rumors and other locals in the area and civilian oversight <laughs> etc like eventually you're just begging your audience to really really let go of their critical faculties to understand how this is even possible and then at the end right. yeah okay leatherface kills these other two cops but he's still on the run he's missing an arm and he's caught cut like he's not gonna be hard <laughs> to find this is not like this is not a genius uh, oh, like now it's national it's news they have two cops yeah. dying on camera Oh, we can't find him. He's nowhere. It's like, okay. <laughs> Again, I digress because it'd be we've talked a lot about how maybe one of the most difficult things to jive well in a horror movie is how the police relate to what's going on. Because mm -hmm. you kind of need the ineptitude of a police force to make a lot of these movies even possible. So fair right. enough. It's just pretty... Like, obviously, a lot of the horrors around police are a lot more basic or quotidian right. than this body harvest farm. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So here's my take on the sheriff. It's going to completely go. <laughs> destroy anything that you two have said in the last six oh, minutes. Perfect. <laughs> perfect. Okay, bring um, it on. Here we go. So my here theory is that Sheriff Hoyt is not mm. actually a sheriff. He just happened to steal what? the uniform and the police Shit. car Shit. and is acting as a sheriff so that whenever a sheriff is needed, he's like, let me put on my costume. Let me get in my car. I'm going to drive here, pretend to be the sheriff, pretend to be in control, and then we kill the people. And they're so far in the middle of nowhere, so far from civilization that whoever the true sheriff of that district is, is like, there's nothing out there. I'm not going all the way out there. Texas is big. Texas is too big. So there we go. So any, you know, the reason why Sheriff Hoyt is not under uh, investigation or doesn't have a boss is because he is not actually a sheriff. What a nice razor you have found, Mr. Occam. <laughs> exactly. Well, I let's, buy it. Let's all it's clap canceled. to that. Thank you. Thank you. That's a good theory. I think it's probably the most likely in the universe of the movie. And yeah, you wash your hands of it because that's what they need. And, and it's very clear from the very second the cop is on the camera that he's not to be trusted and he's up to no good. Mm. And you're not rewarded for knowing that because it's he might as well be wearing a big flashing sign that says like, hey, I'm actually probably going to try to murder you. So don't worry about it. <laughs> and... I thought it was fun to watch him chew on all of the scenery, though, because he just took his time and had a lot of fun. But I think we haven't talked about the ending of the movie, which was, for me, probably my favorite part. Mm -hmm. And so I want to talk about what happens at the end where Aaron outwits or outsmarts and definitely outlasts Leatherface. <laughs> and... <laughs> Thank you. 
hey, 2003 is... it was peak survivor time yeah for sure for sure <laughs> but she escapes and i really like that scene i thought that was that was the part of the movie where i was like actually like cheering and whooping and like yeah fucking go for it because she cuts his arm off by using the same trick that they did in jurassic park where they're hiding from the raptors in the kitchen where it's like they go to one thing and they're actually hiding across the aisle. She cuts off Leatherface's arm and then escapes, saves a baby along the way, and hotwires the police car to not not only run over the sheriff, sheriff in air quotes, once, but three times before driving away. And I thought that was awesome. It was yeah. fucking cool. Yeah, don't go for the double tap. Go for the fucking triple tap. That's what I I was like, no way. Because you know in movies, it's always like the protagonist gets away from like the antagonist, but they don't make sure. It's like, no, fucking Jessica Biel made sure that Sheriff Hoyt was dead dead. Like, second, so the second run over was like, oh yeah, smart. The third run over was like, why not? Your suspension's wrecked already. Just go for yeah. it. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Okay, so my question is, the baby, Okay, is that the hitchhiker yes. from the very beginning's baby? I think Beginning so. of the movie's baby? That That's really the only logical... Yeah, Aaron makes a comment when she's in the trailer before she passes out from the drug tea. It's like, that's not your baby. So right. whose baby is it? And she steals the baby back. But not back, I guess. She it's just her, steals the baby. It's her period. baby, yeah. <laughs> I, it has to be. There's no other person in the movie it could be. Unless it's like a completely different baby, which wouldn't make any sense, because why are you introducing a random baby? Aside from the fact that it gives more credence to this family, town, whatever, being entirely maniacs who will just kill and steal and do anything and get away with it. So mm. I think it has to be Aaron's, uh, not Aaron's baby, the the first lady's baby. Okay. You know what would be a little bit funny if Aaron was actually wrong and it did belong to the family and that was the family's baby and she just stole a baby. They don't deserve their baby. We're back at a paranormal activity too. Okay, so yeah, I have a thought on the ending, but I have a question too because maybe I missed it, but like do we just assume Pepper was killed off screen? Or was she killed on screen? I don't remember. I think she was definitely killed on screen, but it wasn't like explicitly sh- like you see leather fi- like she's wearing that She's she suddenly found a winter jacket. She got a jacket. Yeah. Mm. She's wearing that blue like puff down jacket and then you mm-hmm. see her trip and then you see Leatherface like swing the like his chainsaw down and you just see like a a puff of oh, down. Okay. Okay. So I'm I assume she did. No, that makes sense. I just must have missed that because I was like what, isn't there another character still alive? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, both her and Morgan kind of get killed in a way where it's like they're killed, but you don't see the mm. the blood and the gore. And I wonder if they had, they didn't have a it in the budget, or they just ran out, or they had to for ratings, whatever. Technically, yeah. they could be back in the sequel. They could be. Is there a sequel? Yeah, that's actually Probably. the most unrealistic part of this movie is that there's a sequel because Leatherface would be caught in a day or two. <laughs> <laughs> no, so it'd have to be like a hiding. copycat. Killer. He's still on the run. Okay, okay, Luke, Luke. The next movie that comes out is a prequel to this movie. Okay, that makes more sense. Okay. That Ooh, so it's a copycat. Sense. It's a copycat killer in the sequel, but can't get real human skin, so it's just plastic, mm. and they call him Pleatherface. Pleatherface. 
joke is credit to Kelly, who made that joke during the watch of this movie, so shout out to her. Yeah, it was great. I enjoyed that the sheriff was killed by Aaron, and that she got the baby back and outsmarted them and triple tapped him. All of that ending was good, and it was reminiscent of the original in that Sally escaped in the first one. Obviously mm-hmm. not in exactly the same way. And act, like I liked the ending of the original more because of the shot and the kind of like terror of being in the back of a pickup truck watching Leatherface chase you, but just not quite be able to catch you. Like that was a really cool thing. But like the ending of this was good in that sense. But I really, like of all of the things I disliked about this movie, I think the scene I disliked the most was with the truck driver because it was yeah. just it was beyond asinine the way he related to her and all she had to say was there are killers there don't stop and at the very least he's gonna be like what not shut up lady i'm going to talk like it's just it was so he was so aggressively ignorant to what was happening to her and didn't listen to her that it just was so unbelievable and then she was just in reality She's just going to drive away in the semi. I think he left the keys there. Oh, I guess he didn't. He didn't leave the key. Anyway, it just like that whole sequence of her coming out of the forest, getting in with the semi, and then them having to drive a good distance before they were back in trouble again. And at no point was mm-hmm. any communication happening between the two of them. And he was just so like he treated her like she was a wild animal. Uh, it, just, right? it, it made me so frustrated in a movie that I feel like I'm a chump for getting frustrated at, but <laughs> I had managed to not lose my cool at the absurdities thus far. And I couldn't make it all the way. Like I was just like, fuck off movie with this driver, with <laughs> this semi driver. Like they're going to yeah. talk a little bit to figure out what's going on. That's Brad Leland. He played buddy Garrity in Friday night lights. Oh, well, there you go. I don't mind that's, the actor. It's just the from. character was like, I agree. I agree. <laughs> well, yeah, that was, yeah. I was like, is this guy also going to be part of the Leatherface kill mafia squad? It, it, was he was ambiguous or was he just like, was he genuinely trying to help? No, and he's, he just he's, he's just stupid. He's just stupid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah. And then I like the fake out of, I mean, it was very obvious. It was very telegraphed. It was like, well, she's, she's got the baby. She's going to hotwire a car but it won't be the semi because that's the one they keep saying like the truck driver has deliberately got lines that a couple times he says she's just waiting for me in the truck she's just over there in the truck and so it's like obviously she's not going to go there because that's what they'll check and then and they they'd had a centered the shot of car. the police car as they were approaching like a like a mm, one or two yeah. second <laughs> shot of just the car in the foreground like oh okay we know the car's there yeah, remember, remember, there's a police car. Oh, she's hot wiring. Well, a second a, thing. It yeah. turns out Chekhov's juvie really paid off, huh? Mm-hmm. Chekhov's yes. juvie. But even that could have been written better. They could have, like, had her hot wire the van at the very start of the movie. Yeah. When they weren't in and trouble. Because she, she says, what does she say? No. She says juvie when she's picking a lock, but when no, she, she... when she's picking a lock, she said, I had older brothers. Oh, right. That's what it was. Which was like, I don't... That's stupid. <laughs> but then when she's like hot wiring the car, she's like, I went to juvie. It's like, why couldn't you have gone to juvie when you were picking the lock at the outhouse? Why even say, I went to juvie? Like, that was such a weird thing. And was it just because Jessica Biel was like the good girl on 7th Heaven? And she was like, I know. 
I'll be in Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and I'll have been in juvenile detention because I'm a bad girl. And it's like, what? Why? That's how like a half generation before would go from their Hannah Montana to Miley Cyrus uh, world. <laughs> <Right>? Yeah. <laughs> Seventh Heaven to Texas Chainsaw <laughs> yeah. Massacre. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. She did get to go all Darth Vader and cut off a whole arm of Leatherface, which was a fun thing. <laughs> With in a our butcher chat. knife. That was cool. <laughs> With a butcher knife. Yeah. She really a cleaver, even. Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah. Cleaver. Yeah. That's what it's called. Yeah. The do it that <laughs> was it. it Andy was getting her to like <laughs> to stab him. That was you very Palpatine esque. But then she didn't stab him in an instant kill place. So he obviously suffered more. <laughs> <laughs> She's just stabbed him right in the guts. Yeah, it was like, where can I stab you in the most painful place? <laughs> stab him in the heart, you idiot. <laughs> she couldn't reach. He was hanging. Hanging quite high. Also, how did those cops die at the end? Because Aaron survived. She would have been the one telling them that Leatherface was still there, maybe. Be careful. Oh. The the narrator did a good job. Apparently it was the site was not cleared. <laughs> the site wasn't cleared. We didn't this do a good just... job. Oopsie doopsie. <laughs> Leatherface is out. The logic fun, fun of this movie fact, is so hard for me. It's just so hard for me. <laughs> The narrator in this movie was the same one as the original. It was cool. Okay, anything else? Any Anything else to add? Yeah, I mean, in terms of like things that made me feel super uncomfortable in this movie, outside of the whole body gore stuff, I think the most uncomfortable scene that I had was when the sheriff took Morgan into the van mm. and, and was like telling him to recreate <gasps> the scene of like the suicide. Mm-hmm. Like... As I'm going to come to a conclusion early, as bad as this movie was, <laughs> that scene was powerful and it was it was scary and I was tense the whole time. It was pretty obvious that the gun was unloaded when Morgan points back at the sheriff and like is trying to shoot him. But props to the two of them for the acting in that one, because that was really well done. And there was no place I would rather be than not watching that at that moment, because I was just so you would rather be anywhere else. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was very uncomfortable and very unsettling. And it was, yeah, it was scary. I was still thinking, why are the girls just still lying there? Why aren't they running away? Because they're respecting his authority. Anyway, yeah, that was very, that was very upsetting and very unsettling. I actually remember two things that I wanted to say. First thing, a little nit to pick. It was hilarious to me. The number of times Aaron closed wooden doors and then tried to hold it and being like, this will stop the man with a chainsaw. <laughs> a tool remarkably good at cutting through wooden things. You know, she like push, pushes the couch against one of them. She closes and bars it with a solid piece of wood. It's like, Aaron, he has a chainsaw. A saw that is a chain. It's going to cut through all of the wood that you put in front of him. And will it's like that... <laughs> what's the scene in Arrested Development where they have the, the fake cooler and it's like, what's that going to buy us? Like a second? And then it cuts to like one second later. These files yeah. are not in here. <laughs> yeah. So, That's okay. Remember, just, Billy, nothing on the inside. <laughs> right. Okay, second question. I wrote a note down because you mentioned this in the chat. You said, oh, it's good to see Eric Balfour in here. And I wrote a note. Ask Luke who Eric Balfour is. Oh, so Luke, he, who that? I don't. I don't remember exactly what, but he was just this kind of famous Canadian actor in the early two thousands. Uh, so he was like a Jonathan Torrance. 
Yeah, yeah, he was like that kind <laughs> of known. So I, if we if we looked it up, he'd probably have been on some Canadian television shows. He was in Twenty Four. Nice. Yeah. Okay. So he was he was like a heart throbby type of Canadian actor in the t- early two thousands that I recognized. Hmm. And he was Kemper. Yeah. Is he Canadian? Uh, I think so. He was in Charmed. He was born in Los Angeles, California. Uh, well, he oh. was. Uh, why am I thinking he was involved in a lot of Canadian media, though? In 2020, he was in a movie called Time Crafters, The Treasure of Pirate's Cove. Mm. Mm. Maybe mm. I'm totally off on this. I just remember him. Ray Donovan. Well, we'll claim him if no one else will. <laughs> He's ours now. Cell 213. Oh, he's in Cell 213. Skyline. Oh, that's right. He was in that fucking Skyline movie that was so bad. Oh, right. Anyway. That that was an alien movie, right? That was a dumb alien movie. I remember watching that in Australia when I lived there. Okay. We've stopped talking about the Chainsaw movie. Does anybody else have anything else before we move on? I hope Jedediah gets out of there. He seemed like a good kid. Yeah. Make it to law school, hopefully. (laughs) <laughs> need some better stuff to play with some socialization with other kids his age he'll be all right he'll be fine although the first time he goes to school and he's like check it out i made this doll out of a barbie and a possum skeleton everyone be like oh okay yeah it's sid he grows up to be sid <laughs> <laughs> oh another toy story tie-in all right mm. well alex you picked this movie so would you please tell us what your scariest part of the movie was uh, my scariest part of the movie was the fucking fingernails mm-hmm. yeah i'm not even gonna talk about it anymore i'm not even gonna explain why it's the scariest part if you've seen this movie you know what it is and that was scary for me and i don't want to think about it again i'm gonna go bleach my eyes later <laughs> yeah that was gross for me, the scariest part was this the scene with Morgan in the van with the sheriff and having to recreate the stuff like because you're just sitting so upright, so stressed out for what was going to happen. And it was more scary than the parts where Leatherface was running around chainsawing people up. So that's my pick. <laughs> Luke, what's your pick for scariest part? Oh, man. Just like how gross everything was not even just the gore (laughs) but just like the whole aesthetic of this movie was flies on a dead pig or Mm. rust everywhere (laughs) just it was was just sweaty uncomfortable dirty gross rusty everything so just it was an unsettling aesthetic Mm. to tie it back to jigsaw one more time I wrote a note in in the watching of this movie where I was like, maybe Jigsaw watched this movie and was like, you know what? Wearing a mask to kill people, that's a cool idea. Oh, hey, there's also a lot of pig carcasses in here. Yeah. And that's mm-hmm. how he got the idea for Pig Face, Wig Face. Mm. Sure, why not? And this movie came out a year before the first Saw, so. Yeah, there you go. Plenty of time for John Kramer to watch it. Art inspires art, right? <laughs> Yes. And game recognize game. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so, Alex, it's time for us to rate it. What are we rating it out of? We're going to rate it out of dentures found on the ground. Oh, gross. Mm. <laughs> Floor dentures. Okay. 
I guess I'll go first. Mm-hmm. I think I've concluded that I don't like this movie that much. Okay. <laughs> I, I, obviously, I like the original way more. I did think that some of the changes that they did in this one were really great. Like the change of motivation of why they're in that town was fantastic. I think the protagonists were less insufferable than the original cast and this movie made me feel really uncomfortable a lot of the time and that i guess that's really the point of like slasher horror movies like to make your audience member feel uncomfortable so it's like it did a really good job at that but besides those things everything else about the first one was much much better and yeah so i'm gonna give this 2003 texas chainsaw massacre remake a two Dentures found on ground out of five. Two out of five. Great. I enjoyed this movie in parts. I liked some of the changes. A lot of it was weird nonsense and a lot of telling rather than showing, which was not good. It was not as good as the first one, even though the cinematographer was trying to do something else. I appreciate that you would want to do that as your job, but it didn't really pay off in a lot of spots. I really, really liked how they changed Aaron's character well, the Sally analog from the first one into how she escaped rather than just like luckily running away in the first one. (laughs) Aaron got to be kick-ass and have a hero moment, even though she would be traumatized for absolutely the rest of her life. But I thought that was really fun. And so I'm going to give this one 2.3 floor dentures, ground dentures. Yeah, out of five. Luke Mason. Mm. Yeah, I'm always trying to weigh these ratings in like terms of the movie themselves and the relationship to the original. And I think okay. on its own, this is a very formulaic slasher film. And then additionally, compared to the original, which is quite a classic, it's much inferior. And I knew that that would probably be the case going in. So actually, my biggest disappointment is in myself that I got so far through this movie without getting exasperated. (laughs) But then I let it get to me. I still let the bad movie get to me in a way that I think I've been able to kind (laughs) of shield myself from. Because in the middle of that scene with the truck driver, I just yelled at the screen. I was like, this is fucking bullshit. <laughs> at least that was the end of the movie. It was, yes. No, that's but see, it. that's even worse. I made it so far, and I tried so hard, but in the end, it didn't even matter. <laughs> didn't matter. <laughs> so I'm a little bit ashamed of myself, actually, that I let myself stoop to the level of being annoyed at a movie that I knew would annoy me. So, that's okay. We still love you. <laughs> but... Yeah, I just the the characters were maybe a little bit more likable in this movie and I really think that was the only thing that this movie did better. And so, I'm going to give this one 0.75 dentures Ooh. out of 5 because it's not even a whole tooth over there. No. Well, it's not a whole. This <laughs> is a partial mouth. bridge. <laughs> yeah. ah, okay, well, as well. we know, it's nothing is scarier than tooth decay. <laughs> That's true. Everybody brush your teeth. <laughs> All right. (laughs) Well, that was a fun chat. Regardless of whether or not we like the movie, I don't think any of us would watch this one again. I think that's pretty safe to say. And yeah, so we'll wrap it up. We will slide on into the something to cheer section. And Alex, you're first again today. 
Wow, so much has happened since our last something to cheer today. <laughs> Stop um, making that joke. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, I guess my something to cheer is I am so far behind, but last night I started, or I, I continued watching Loki. So Ooh. I had watched the first episode the day it came out, and ever since then I was like, you know what, I'm going to wait for the whole thing to come out before I finish it. And fast forward, it is <laughs> so on I watched episode two of Loki, <laughs> and I am currently halfway through episode five, so I have about an episode and a half left, but I've been really enjoying it so far, and it's, it's good. It's pretty good. I like it. That's my cheer. Yeah, it's a fun show. Good cheer. I am cheering something. A simple cheer. I am really, really digging on the new Coldplay song, Higher Power, that came out a couple months ago. I really like it. I really vibe with it. It's a good bop. So... Yay, is that, Chris Martin. You did a good is, job. Is that a song about employing Max Power? No, it's actually a song about numbers talking about their exponents, and one of them has a higher power I than the other. I see, I Math see. joke, math joke, math joke. <laughs> that was great how we managed to make a Simpsons and math joke all at the same time. <laughs> We're the best. That's something to cheer. What are you that's cheering, what, Luke? Well, I have to say, that's one of my all-time favorite Simpsons quotes. Is there's the right way, the wrong way, and the max power way. <laughs> Dad, isn't that just the wrong way? Yes, but faster. <laughs> <laughs> Classic. That's a good Simpsons quote. Yeah. I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna cheer a couple really good liberal soul recordings I did this week. Ooh. One that I'm actually gonna be releasing today with the co-host of the nelson contingent of movie conversations i have uh, with this other guy named alex who's the co-host on the radio show i do now he came over the other day and we talked about movies so that's going to be kind of fun to have and then i also talked to a couple high school friends about traveling as well so that was fun i I just enjoy good additionally good podcast recordings so that's what i'm cheering love it Great, 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 great. And if you, dear listener, would like to send us something, you're cheering, you can do that in a number of ways. You can send us an email at nothing to fear podcast. You can at gmail.com. You can send us that anything you want, including your something to shares. You can also send it to us via DM on our Instagram, nothing to fear podcast. You can send us in a twit, a, a twit, a twitting. You can do a twitting and you can do that over at NTF pod. Let us know what you're cheering. We'd love to read it out on air because it's great to know what the community is up to. And we love you all very much, but that's going to do us for another week here all across the nation of Canada. And we will say goodbye, but we'll talk about what we're going to watch next week. Actually, I'm all out of order. I'm going to bail on this. Let's start (laughs) over. That's going to do us for another week. Here, nothing to fear. If you would like to support the show, please head on over to your rating software of choice, wherever you got this pod, and give us a rating or a review. Tell other people about us. Let them know that we are a fun podcast that they should listen to, and it'll help us reach more ears. We've been... I, I recently put up the map again of where we've been downloaded, and we got about six new countries in the time that I had it taken down for the move. So mm. shout-outs to Ethiopia... Venezuela, oh, Colombia, uh, Colombia, Tasmania, <laughs> Colombia, pardon me. Shout out to New Zealand. Yeah, we got a bunch. We got a bunch. Nice. Yeah, so. Thanks for listening. It's been, it's been fun. Thank you so much for listening. And yeah, Luke, you hinted at having a lot of other podcasts. So where can the other people find you? 
Yeah, they can listen to The Liberal Soul or Really True Fiction, both available on podcasting apps of your choosing. And if you uh, don't have enough of <laughs> the sounds of my voice, <laughs> that's where you can hear more. Mm. Mm. All right. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Alex, where can people interact with you? You can find me at the tire treads of Sheriff Hoyt's cruiser. Mm. <laughs> Or underneath those tire treads. Run over three times. So non-existent to be found. (laughs) But thank you for listening. Thanks so much. All right. So next week we will continue with our remake month. Luke, it is your pick. What are we going to watch next week? So I had about three different movies that were going through my mind, but I, I don't have time for three movies, Luke. I, I know I settled <laughs> on one. You got to pick okay. just one. Okay. Cool. So <laughs> we are going to watch and perhaps is appropriate given the fact that BC, at least the interior part of BC is going into another little bit of a mini lockdown in the sense of we're back to like stage two because of the high case numbers of COVID in the Kootenays. But ah. we're going to watch 2008's American remake Quarantine of the 2007 movie wreck so we get the all english found footage version of that movie starring i believe her name is jennifer carpenter of dexter fame she does a good job oh yes right and the tie-in i guess because this is gonna be episode 69 nice is that i thought it was worthwhile to do a movie on infectious diseases nice (laughs) (laughs) little psa little psa for episode 69 nice all right well thanks everyone for listening we'll see you next week when we talk about the movie quarantine remember they're just movies there's nothing to fear (laughs) and if half of it is in black and white you can call it pleatherville Mm -hmm. (laughs) no get out (laughs) speaking of toby's goodbye so speaking of toby's Jesus. That's a recurring Why name Toby? on this podcast. Wait, what? <laughs> well, Toby, oh, Toby Hooper right, made the right, first yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Toby was the spirit in Paranormal Activity. Yeah. I loved, I did like the ending. I loved that uh, Aaron was... And Tobias was a leather daddy. Ah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. No, that's good. That's good. <laughs>